everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the MobileCast. We're coming to you live from our makeshift studio in New York City today, and I'm your host, Brian Katz. We're going to be talking about application development for mobile and some of the lessons our guest has learned putting apps together in the last six years. We're really lucky to have Steve D'Amadeo on today. Um, Steve runs IT operations at Festo, a pneumatics and industrial engineering firm from Germany. Welcome to the MobileCast, Steve. Please introduce yourself. Well, thanks for inviting me, Brian. I really appreciate the chance to come and talk to you today. My name is Steve D'Amadeo. I'm the IT Operations Manager for Festo Corporation. Uh, as you mentioned, we do a lot of industrial automation and pneumatics throughout the globe. I've had my current position for about seven and a half years, actually. And what did you do before you were doing this? Before that, I was a high school science... Uh, damn. Sorry, high school social studies teacher. Probably helps if I remember what... <laughs> subjects I was teaching. Um, so I taught for a while, got out of it. This is a hobby I happen to be good at, and I just kind of fell into it. So it's been interesting that way. Well, that's actually, we have a similar background. I actually taught um, high school science physics for five years before I started doing uh, consulting and then got into IT full-time. Um, been doing it on the side, but, you know, that's awesome. And, you know, we're lucky to have you today because we're actually at a mobile infrastructure decisions conference today that um, Steve and I are both attending. And, you know, Steve and I have known each other for a while now. And Steve did a great presentation about app development, which is what we're talking about today. So, Steve, let's start at the beginning. How do you know that you need an app? How do you decide it's, you know, when to get started? Does the business come to you? Does IT make that decision? How does this, how's the ball get rolling? Yep. Uh, and the answer to that is that it's a little bit of both, because if it's anything other than that, you're not really handling it correctly. IT, you need to know what's going on in the business at any time. So a lot of that information, believe it or not, comes through your help desk, not necessarily through your leadership activities, because those are the people who have the pulse of what's going on in the company at any moment. We also have people from the business who come to us as well because they know what they need to do. So they come to us as well with additional requirements that are usually in the form of, hey, we think we could do this better. What do you have in mind? So a lot of it has to do, at least on the business side, has to do with process improvement. Is that sort of where it comes from, some of it? Part of it is about process improvement. A lot of it is just about... Um, making additional capabilities available, but a lot of it is about process efficiency and the ability to do things better than you've done it before. You can't really ask people to sell a different way or to record financial information a different way, but what you can do is make it easier for them. It makes complete sense. So you decide that you need an app, you're sitting down with your business, and what are the questions you're asked? You know, how do you how do you actually figure out what you're actually building, what you're designing, you know, so you can actually figure out what the next steps are? Sure. Well, the first question that we ask is, what is it that you're looking to accomplish? Um, most projects that we see when they fail are fail because of requirements gathering issues. So we're always very careful that our first question is, what is it that you hope to accomplish? That's the first thing. The second question we ask is, who do we think the target audience for this would be? Because those two questions combined help drive your platform decisions a lot as well. And then the third thing is, what data or information do you think you're looking for? For us, the combination of those three are really what gets the conversation started. It's certainly not all of the questions that we ask because, uh, as I mentioned during the conference here, about 60% of our project management time is spent in requirements gathering, but those are the first three that help really start to frame the message of what it is that you want to do and what it is in terms of how we would be able to develop applications to assess those and assist those needs. Okay, so you start with those questions and, you know, let's actually walk 
through some scenarios because you actually put some great scenarios up there that you walk people through on how you made decisions with them. So if we're going to look at scenarios, I think your first scenario was a um, – was it a shop floor, If I more or less? It was a warehousing use case, exactly. And what we have is we have a lot of pickers who were walking around with these RF devices that look like they were something from the Second World War. So you would have people who would walk around with these little guns that looked, you know, they were, they were huge. They were about four times the size of the human arm. And so they would carry them around, they would be heavy, and then you had to carry an additional printer on their hip as well so that they would be able to print out a label that was maybe half the size of a deck of cards. And so our warehouse people came to us and said, is there a way that we can do this better? Um, and then on top of that, we also had the supervisors who came to us and said, well, I don't want to be floating around the shop floor with a laptop all day. One, the battery doesn't last that long. Two, I need my other hand free. And third, I need some easy barcode scanning capabilities. So what can you do for us? So you kind of ended up in a situation where 10 or 15 years ago, they had to use what may have been new then, although from the, what you're describing, it may actually be 20 or 25 years ago. But um, you have a situation now where you have smartphones and other devices where they fit in the palm of your hand, you can do some of this barcode reading and other stuff with it. So what kind of questions did you ask and what did you find out as you talked to them? Sure. So this one was interesting because the first questions that we asked are what, are what is it that you're looking to accomplish and what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now? So as I mentioned before, that really is the first question that we asked. The second thing was, are there any applications or any data that you're looking to access? And in the case of this particular example, we talked a lot about accessing our back-end ERP system. Uh, we use SAP. That's you know a, a fairly standard system in the environment for people who were using a lot of ERP capability. And so what it meant for us is that really drove us into a direction of trying to find something where we would be able to access the back-end data, but on a form factor that was far more friendly and far more efficient than what they were dealing with now. That was our first set of questions. Uh, and then after that, we actually sent a couple of our people down, and we did a day in the life. We actually walked around with some of the pickers and some of the warehousing people, so that this way we could get a feel and an appreciation for what it was that they were trying to go through. You know, that's awesome, because I've written a couple posts about this, and when I talk to people, it's one of the biggest things that I talk about is you got to spend time with the user. You really need to know what they're doing, because then you understand what the pain points are and what, you know, you know where to do put the work and what you're trying to design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're exactly right there. You need to put the time in. I'm a firm believer that it's entirely about the user experience, that you could build the best possible application from an IT perspective that you think, but if somebody doesn't like it and somebody's not going to use it, and if it's not user-friendly, then you failed. Yeah, we, I, as you know, I like to term that a craplication, and quite honestly, people won't use craplications, especially in this day and age. Um, where they can go into an app store and buy an app that does it better. Now, in your case, that's a little more difficult. Obviously, it has to access the ERP system and everything else. So, you came. So, what else did you find when you were talking to them? Um, what we found first off was that we originally came with the opinion that we were going to say, "Oh, it was great that you wanted mobility. We wanted a small screen size." And our people were immediately thinking smartphone capability because we said, "All right." Our supervisors are already carrying smartphones with them, so let's not give them an additional device. Let's give them that, that they can use it. But as soon as we tried to bring up our ERP system, we realized that it was nearly impossible on that type of screen size to do it. So that drove us in terms of the form factor look a little bit. Um, that was the first thing that we noticed from walking around with them. The second thing that we noticed with them is that they were wireless all of the time. 
So it led us to also come to the realization that what we thought was okay for our infrastructure wasn't enough. So we actually had to modify the infrastructure to accommodate the application. And I think that's something that gets missed a lot of times between app dev and operations groups, is the idea that the two go hand in hand. You can't really change one without thinking about the other. You can build the best application in the world, but if it requires connectivity and you can't connect, it's useless and your pickers are sitting on the floor doing absolutely nothing. Yep, exactly right. And for us, the idea of failure there is not to, you know, quote or steal from the Apollo 13 movie, but it really, failure is not an option for us. We have to find a way to make it work, and that really was the impetus for for how we were going forward with that. Um, So that was the, the first thing that we were doing. And then the second thing that we were doing was we came to the realization very, very quickly as well was that it's not an IT project. And I say it all the time, there really is no such thing as an IT project. It's a business project that happens to use technology as an enabler. So it wasn't just that we were developing a solution and then it would be tested by users or key users. It was actually very much developed hand-in-hand between what we were doing and what the supervisors had. So there was a lot of input into the process as well. It led to a lot of user experience and screen design changes, what most people would term the presentation layer. Yeah, you know, it's a really good point there because the users need to be involved the whole time. You know, one of the failures that I've seen is when the business comes to IT or the developers, however it works in whatever company you're in, and they say, we want this app, and then the developers walk away, build an app. The business may say, usually comes in the middle and says, can you add a couple more things, which makes it really big. But the other piece with that is they never involve the users, so they design what they think is perfect, and the users use it, and it just doesn't work. You know, it doesn't fit their style, whatever else. So, so you ha- you, you're gathering all these requirements and all, and so did you decide to build... A new app to get side, you know, what did you, so what was the solution that you guys came up with? Sure. Uh, in, in this instance, we found that because it needed to access our backend system, we knew that the concept of trying to develop another app for it was not the best course of action. It was a couple of reasons. Number one, if you've ever dealt with SAP, you know that it's a rather large monolithic environment and getting them to, to do something where you can basically render the entire GUI to them is not easy. Two, we didn't want to change the process for the people who were using it. It was what they were comfortable with. And if you try and enact a process change, I always tell people, good luck. Um, Because user behavior is always something that's difficult to change. You can try and educate and work on it, but it has to be intuitive and something that's comfortable to them. And um, the third thing that really came from from working with them and involving them a lot was the idea that... um, we didn't want to try and develop it because we didn't know how. I uh, talked a lot about the, the core competencies in terms of being able to make the calls and knowing what you're able to do and what you're not able to do. And for this instance, we didn't have the skill set that was necessary for it. So we said, all right, let's see if we can find a better way that leverages what we have already without adding existing complexity and still meets the needs and is something that people can be happy and comfortable with. So what did you end up with? What we ended up doing, believe it or not, is on that instance, we ended up using a desktop virtualization system through through the iPad. And um, we picked the technology with the iPad simply because the Android ones we weren't very convinced about from a security perspective. And a lot of the Windows mobile tablets hadn't been out yet. Uh, as I mentioned before, the screen size question drove us to the tablet form factor, and we knew it had to be smaller than the laptop and larger than the smartphone. So the tablet was a logical choice there, being the intermediary. So 
that was really the, uh, so the you, first part. So you picked a device, and then you went with desktop virtualization to get the app there, and that was. And were they able to use the tablet to actually do the barcoding and everything else? Yep. What we needed to do is we needed to go out and find some peripherals that worked for it, because I talked about the the barcode scanning component earlier. And so for that, we were able to just find a regular Bluetooth scanner that was available on the market, and it was something that integrated at the device level. So we didn't want to try and do our own Bluetooth integration into the application because it would have been overkill. So we took the Bluetooth integration that was available to the iPad device and then used the desktop virtualization render over the top of it to simply handle the application need. And I want to point one thing out here because a lot of times the idea of desktop virtualization on tablets gets a really bad rap and in most cases it's justified. Uh, I know you've talked about it a little bit uh, as well. I'm not a huge fan, but right. you know, again, you have to look at the use case, and that's always part of it. Right, and that really was the biggest thing, was we knew that we didn't have a better option to be able to do it. We couldn't develop the application without it becoming a crap application, as you like to call it. And we wanted to make sure that when we were doing the virtualization that it was compartmentalized and just for a specific reason. So for our supervisors, when they walk around, they still use the native email clients for a lot of their regular work. But when they needed to access SAP, it was just a matter of one button that we would then script that opened it up, logged them into their virtual console, and opened them right up to the SAP login screen. Perfect. So what were the savings? I mean, what, what, what the pro- you know, what did it end up looking like when it was done? I mean, did you see a huge process improvement from them? Morale, was it just morale or was it made their jobs easier? This was a, this was a feel good and make people's job easier project for sure. Uh, there wasn't much cost savings at the supervisor level because they were going to be provisioned with the laptop anyway. And if you want a decent tablet, at that compared to enterprise class laptops are usually relatively similar in cost. Um, we got benefits when we were starting to deal with the individual pickers themselves because I could put, and we actually used the iPod Touch, similar logic, barcode scanning, desktop virtualization, piggybacks on our own infrastructure. So we used that for tremendous cost savings because the RF devices themselves that we use were 1800 to $2,000 by wow. the time you had to get all the accessories and the additional batteries and the charging stations. So we achieved about a 50% savings on the individual pickers. But to the supervisors, that was more of a feel good and help them make their jobs a little bit easier. And that, for them, was the most important thing. It goes back to the business requirements. They said, not what we have is too expensive, but we need a way that we can be more flexible and more mobile. Excellent. Because you know, the goal really is to enable your users to be more flexible and agile so they can be more productive and efficient. Right. So full believer in that. I think one other thing that's interesting to go along with that as well is the idea of don't overlook the importance of the details. I talked about using an iPad and desktop virtualization, and that's great. But now you're a supervisor who's walking throughout the warehouse and who needs to be handling product, and they're going to put something down. It's going to crash into things. So now you get to the question of how do you physically protect the device? And that was one of the things that we found as we went on. Again, this was one of the day-in-the-life topics. Don't overlook the importance of the details to somebody. We went out and found some $30 host holster case that they could slide the iPad into that protected it from harm. And that actually is something where when they came back to us later, they said, you know what? We like the app. We really like the fact that now my hands are free, whereas I used to have to carry a laptop around with two hands all the time. It can be amazing what, um, what little things will do for uh, morale and success and everything else. Yep. So this is great. So that, that was a great scenario. Let's let's talk about a second scenario. Um, 
you talked about mobilizing your sales force, and they go out, they make calls, they do a bunch of stuff, and you got asked for an app for that. So let's talk a little bit about that one. Yeah, sure. Um, very similar process, though this one, the sales group didn't come to us. It was actually the executive management of the company that came to us, and he said, Steve, I have my salespeople on the road, and they're spending four hours of dead time per day driving to customers around between them. What can we do here? Uh, and you hear four hours, and you immediately think, oh, that's a long time. It's half a day. And the answer is, one, yes, it is. And two, not only do they have four hours of dead time, but it actually costs them six hours when you think about it because it's four hours that they can't do anything. And then the two hours at the end of the day where they're trying to go back and recall everything that they did during the day to put information in. Um, and so that was one of the biggest things that we had was the ability to record information from visits to customers very, very quickly. One, while it was still fresh. Two, to be able to immediately communicate back to our inside sales staff and contact center so a follow-up was necessary. And three, that it had to be something that was important to them that they could do during the dead time. So essentially, if I boil it down, they were looking for immediacy. You know, they want to be able to respond to with the information and record it so they didn't forget it, they didn't mistake it. They wanted to be efficient as far as getting that data back so the internal sales force didn't have to wait till the end of the day to see it. And in reality, they wanted to save time. Yeah. A lot of it is about time there. And this was really one that was about productivity improvement. It wasn't about cost savings. It was about productivity improvement. Now, well, productivity means money. Yeah. Course. So, you know, I actually wrote a blog post about this recently about the difference between cost and value. And it's not always about saving money. It's how much value the changes and the stuff that you put in get you. And, you know, going mobile, you know, I've actually seen companies where they've said, well, you know what, let's not get this iPad or this tablet. Let's get this tablet because it's going to save us $200, mm-hmm. not realizing, you know, in order to get the solution to work, you want something that's consistent, does its job, and everything else. So... You knew what you knew what you wanted to start with, and I'm going to guess that you then spent a couple of your guys spent the day in the life with your sales force. You assume correctly. We sent one out to New Jersey, and we sent one out to North Carolina as well, so that we could get a feel for geographically also how people would operate differently. Because a lot of times we look at something as a one size fits all approach, and particularly in countries like the U.S. where we're geographically distributed, how business is done and how sales is done is very very different. So what did you find, what, were, you know, what did you come up with, and then what did you build? Sure. Um, what we found out was that people were forgetting a lot of what they were talking with the customers about. So a few members of my staff actually sat in on some of the meetings between our salespeople and our customers and were taking notes about what was going on. Then they would ask the salespeople, once they came out of it, what was discussed, and they would record that. And then they would ask them again at the end of the day, what they had talked about. And it was like the one-person version of the telephone game. A lot of the information was lost in the transfer, so the idea of the immediacy of it was gone. And with the immediacy went the details and the specifics and the information that really was the value generator there. That's sort of the the micro-expressions, what you see and what is important at that moment. Those were the things that got missed from the immediate point to the end of the day. Okay, so you now know what you want to fix. You've proven that, you know, it's certainly a problem. Mm-hmm. What did you design? Sure. So what we ended up doing here was we actually needed to develop our own mobile application because we have a very large Salesforce automation program that we use that we had custom developed in-house. 
And the way that it was developed, we were not able to render it to smartphones, and we were not able to handle any input other than typing. Now, so that left us with two options. We could either change a sales process and tell everybody to go over to your local Starbucks or Panera, log on to our VPN, type everything in, and synchronize it back, which would just be far too long, or B, what we needed to do is we needed to find a way to make it voice-enabled. And that was the route that we ended up going, so that this way, while someone's driving in their car and has the dead time, they can actually take a minute or two, speak their voice report into the application that was on their phone, and then transmit it back to our system through in a secure manner. And when so this data got um, transmitted back, and it's very important we're talking about secure manner. Correct. You know, security plays a part in all this. And then, is it transcribed by somebody? You use voice recognition. What did you end up? We did use voice recognition here. So what happens is it goes back to our contact center staff, who he- who handles a lot of our individual sales lead follow-up in terms of some outbound calls, in addition to your standard inbound call center that most people will have in any large enterprise. So they would review it, and we provided a very simple agent portal that the contact center agents could look at and say, okay, this person is at this customer, and here's what they need. And then they would verify that the information looked correct or if there are things that look like they were obviously wrong because no transcription software is 100%, they would go in and make edits or they would then call the salesperson back and say, okay, I got the report that you put in here, but a few things don't look quite clear because you explain it to me. And then you're getting that within minutes instead of within days. Very cool. Very cool. And so how did, yeah, how did you secure this? So sure. what do you do with the data? You know, this is important to you. This is your lifeblood. This is you know your sales. Yeah. One of the good things here was the fact that we already have all of our devices and their communications traffic encrypted. Yes, we're sending them over some of the public cellular networks. However, we do have a VPN client that's installed on all of the phones that we can use to automatically communicate things back. And we made sure that our Exchange ActiveSync policies on the phones in general, we're encrypting the data in transit as well as the device. Okay. So you you got a VPN, you're encrypting the device. Now, why do you go with, now, is this an always-on VPN or is this? It's an on-demand VPN. Okay. Um, we thought about the possibility of an always-on VPN, but there's a couple of downsides that come with that. One, they're always on our network, and when you're not connected, it's really not necessarily the greatest thing to do. Two, it ends up clogging up some of our own network bandwidth back in our office as well. And I realize I said two, but um, there probably is a third one here that's equally important, and that is the idea that it's a massive battery drain on your devices. Okay. So that's so you went with an on-demand VPN. Now, is the reason you chose VPN versus... Um, encryption over SSL, you know, encryption then SSL or some other way, and some people will call that sort of a VPN, but it isn't. But, you know, is there a reason you went VPN versus that direction? Was it easier or the fact that you already had it in place? We were developing several applications in parallel with one another and kept finding the need to get them connected back to our network. Our... VPN systems were mobile capable. In other words, we could connect to them. The only thing that we needed to do was figure out how to extend the certificate to the device. So for us, a lot of it was the path of least resistance, really. And that was the reason that we ended up going that route. We were going to use it for different things, and so that was important to us. One of my big things that I always like to talk to people about is the idea of keeping things simple whenever possible. The moment you're adding complexity to your infrastructure, you're inviting trouble. 
Absolutely. And, you know, what I like, and you didn't, you said it, but, you know, let me bring it to the forefront. You reuse something. And, you know, that's important to, you know, when you're building apps um, to, to actually make reusable parts. Yep. Because, first of all, if something goes wrong with that part, it's the same part in all of them. You just replace, you know, you fix it once, then you replace in all of them. But the other piece is in the design and phase and everything else, you only have to develop it once, and you know it makes it a much simpler solution. Yep, and, and you're exactly right about that. Leveraging your existing infrastructure and leveraging your environment and what you have when you can is immensely helpful to you. Now, the security people would say that it causes some containerization problems and now you make yourself susceptible so that if your VPN goes down, you've taken down everything. And I would argue that, yes, that is correct. But those are things that, from an infrastructure perspective, you should be building robustly anyway because we're using it if you're using laptops or if you're using mobile applications to connect. And it's something that's critically necessary for our organization. Uh, it, it makes sense. And, you know, it's a piece of, you know, you definitely build robustness, and you may stay. You may stay using a VPN for the next five years. You may decide that hey, there's an easier way to handle this that's better on the battery or something else, and you may move that direction. Yeah. So great. Now let's talk about um, the third scenario you put up there. Your third scenario was your management. You know, very heavy into reports, very heavy into understanding what was going on in the business, and yet they wanted it wherever they were and whatever they were doing. So. How did you handle that one? Sure. And this is probably interesting because I told you that the first two, a lot of it was about the business coming to us. This is one that we identified first. Uh, I'm someone who spends a lot of time on the road as well as part of my job. So I looked at this and said, there has to be a way that we can do this better. And so what we were really looking at was the idea of being able to see critical sales and profitability information Sometimes when you're on the network, sometimes when you weren't necessarily on the network. So how are we going to be able to store and access these things? And um, so what we ended up doing here was we actually have a platform that's in place. We didn't have to build anything new. So I didn't need to try and virtualize desktops. I didn't need to try and build our own application. But here, we actually already had it web-enabled. So this is one of our easier use cases where we were able to look at it and say, you know what? We're able to mobile enable this relatively quickly. We knew that some of the figures wouldn't necessarily render quite right, but it's not like somebody was trying to create presentations off of it from a phone. They just wanted to be able to see at a glance, if I'm you know, out on the other side of the country, what's going on? Okay, so you, you, let's tackle this a little bit. Sure. Um, you have, this, you have the um, data available. Mm-hmm. And it was it was web enabled, but it wasn't mobile enabled. So, what were the steps that you took to uh, mobile enable it? Sure. The only things that we really needed to do to mobile enable it were one, get it so that we could connect externally from our phone. So, this comes back to the idea of reusing the VPN that I spoke about a moment ago, and the idea of using different things to put them together. So, this is one where we really just needed to VPN enable it, and the rest, believe it or not, did itself. So you didn't have to do much work there. As soon as we were able to mobilize the VPN, we were okay. The challenge for us came in setting it up so that you didn't have to manually log into the VPN each time. Because if I'm an executive flying on a plane, we sort of operate by the three-click rule, which is that if it takes more than three clicks or touches to get what I need, it's too it's too far you know gone in terms of complexity. Usability is paramount. If your users can't get it, they'll find a different way. Yep. So what did you do for that piece? So what we did was we actually programmed the 
the links so that what would happen is the link that you would use to go in there it would be set up so that if you automatically chose an intranet link which is what this basically was it was set to automatically trip the device certificate to connect to the VPN to then go into the site so by just clicking the button that said management reporting on the screen it would know okay I'm going here it's an internal site connect me to the VPN and then bring me to the site so literally you would click management reporting and it would say welcome to the VPN because it uses our certificate as uh, methods of authentication here you click OK and poof you were there so really two steps you um, set up the device to say whenever it's internal hit the certificate turn on the VPN and the other piece it sounds like you turn your links into web clips so that you know they you know they didn't have to go into their browser they didn't have to find it it was a simple web clip that showed up and said okay here's management reporting and looked like an app even though it wasn't really an app that's exactly right basically what we did was we took a glorified hyperlink and put it to the home screen of the devices um, so it makes it sound a lot cooler than it is but it really was a very basic capability of just taking it and connecting it there because people in the mobile era when they're holding their smartphones they know apps they know if I click on this it goes here there was an interesting number that came out that said how much of the time spent on your mobile devices is spent in the browser and most people would probably think it's 50 60 70 percent the answer is it's only 12 so People are in the world of apps now, so I want to be able to click something and get there automatically. And that was the, the approach that we tried to take to it. And what were the results from management? They're extremely happy with it. All I've heard so far is, wow, that was a lot simpler than I thought it would be. Thanks a lot. So it's been, it's been a very easy win for us there. It was something that took us minimal time because we didn't overdevelop and we didn't overcomplicate it. And that's you know one of the, the biggest things there. We knew we had it. We just needed to handle one or two little changes, and that was it. So you've sprinkled a bunch of great nuggets throughout this. So, you know, I don't want to keep you too long. We're hitting around the half-hour mark. Yep. And, you know, it's been awesome having you on. What are your final thoughts, advice? You know, take some of those nuggets out and, you know. Sure. You've probably heard me repeat a few of the, the key points and takeaways a couple of times. And that would be my final thoughts about what really needs to be looked at. One of them is the idea that you can't overdevelop. You have to try to keep it simple. This deals with your infrastructure and leveraging what you have, and this deals with the applications as well and how to avoid having them, as you correctly term them, become craplications. So that's really the first thing is the idea of keeping it simple. The second thing is you need to account for the user experience. It is the first, last, and only thing that will determine whether or not a mobile application or any mobility project is successful. People need to be included in it throughout the process, during the requirements gathering, through the development, through the testing, and through the, the final deployment and approval of it. Most people miss the requirements gathering and or the development process and then get it immediately in testing. That's the, the second thing. And my third big takeaway as well is the idea that you should try to be device neutral as much as you can. Um, because as you, you've seen me mention, I've mentioned a few smartphone examples, I've mentioned a few tablet examples, and in some cases where a lot of cases... Eh, a lot of cases, we're repackaging some of the things that we have available on our regular laptops and desktops. So we didn't want to build something new, but we wanted to make things versatile. So, you know, in other words, mobile first, not mobile only. Correct. Stuff can come back to the laptop, the desktop, wherever you need it. 
And, you know, because sometimes simplicity makes sense. And I'm going to add a final thought because you talked about it, but you didn't put it in there, and I just find it so important. All right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, well, it's your words, although I'm going to take them from you. You know, it's you need to involve the business and the users in the whole process. You talked about it a number of times that you went on site visits, you sat with the users. Um, I know that you talked about it during your session today mm-hmm. that you did user testing, you brought them in to look at the screens, you made sure that they were involved. And that's really important because you don't know how well you're doing until the users get a hold of the app itself. That's very, very true, and and you're right. I'm glad that you, you added that as well. The user experience is how does it look and feel, but the user involvement is a is a big thing there. So I'm I'm glad that you brought that up, and I'm sorry I omitted it in my original final thoughts there. No, that's okay. <laughs> you know, Steve, this has been awesome. We're out of time. I don't want to keep you too late, but you know, Steve, where can people learn a little bit more about mobile app development, and where can they follow you on Twitter? Because I know you're active on Twitter. <laughs> I am definitely active on Twitter, much more so than I was in the past. It's one of the things that I've learned as I've gone into more forays into the mobile era. So uh, my hashtag, uh, not a hashtag, I can be followed on Twitter at sdamadeo. Now, that's S-D-A-M-A-D-E-O. And we'll, we'll put that in the show notes, so if you go to the website, you'll see it there. Yep. So... And um, so that's what I have right now. I'm not doing my individual blogs right now. We're writing for any additional sites. But as soon as more information comes about that, I'm sure you'll be one of the first people to know. Yeah, we'll we'll tweet it out. So (laughs) it's been great to have you. Um, Thanks so much for taking the time because this has been awesome. And everyone, if you like the show, please tell a friend. Leave us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at TheMobileCast. Um, or on the web at thecloudcast.net where you can find links to everything Cloudcast and the Mobilecast. And we actually got some really great shows coming up. We're going to be recording another one um, later this afternoon and possibly a third one tonight. So we're going to hit you up with a couple shows in the, uh, probably the next week or so. So keep your eye out and have fun. <laughs>